Radio Free Cybertron. Transformers. Rewind. the Nightbird on Transformers Rewind. Gentlemen, what you are about to see is state-of-the-art robotics. <gasps> this, gentlemen, is the first female ninja robot. I have named her Nightbird. Magnificent. Tremendous. Uh, why build a robot ninja, Doctor? Isn't that rather dangerous? Nightbird has been constructed to demonstrate to the world the limitless capabilities of technology. She will expand the horizons of robotic research to assist mankind and not to harm him. I assure you, gentlemen, she is not meant for battle or assassination. The Autobots are working on improving security for headquarters when the famous scientist Dr. Fujiyama calls. He has a special advanced robot he wants the Autobots to protect in case the Decepticons should learn about it. These detection panels are just what we need to keep us safe. Watch how the sensors react to metal. Not bad, huh? Excellent, Wheeljack. The Decepticons won't find it easy to slip by that. Optimus Prime, come quickly. It's Dr. Fujiyama, the famous scientist. Optimus is entertained by the idea of a, uh, the idea of a silly human robot and agrees to help out. At the risk of seeming boastful, it is the greatest robot ever created by man. Which means it is well, <laughs> primitive by Autobot standards. My curiosity is aroused. We will come, Doctor. Oh, splendid, splendid. All the top scientists of the world will be on hand for the unveiling. At the unveiling ceremony, the attending Autobots are casually making fun of the famous scientist Dr. Fujiyama's robot. The famous scientist Dr. Fujiyama reveals Nightbird, his giant ninja robot created for science. The Decepticons quickly arrive and start bringing down the house, and Optimus won't let the Autobots fight while there's still humans around. So everyone stands around watching, getting shot at, while hundreds of humans scramble and flee for their lives. Now, gentlemen, if I may... It's that dynamental delinquent rumble. And his punk pal frenzy. They sent him directly to Scrap Iron City. Wait, we can't risk hurting the humans. You theory seems shaky to me, Doc. Look out! They're destroying the building! Run for it! Humans have evacuated. Autobots, attack! The roof of the building is cut open like a soup can and Starscream and friends fly off with Nightbird. At the incredibly inconspicuous temporary Decepticon headquarters, Bombshell makes some upgrades to Nightbird, who Megatron sends to steal the world energy chip from the Autobots, leading to a lengthy sequence of the robot ninja making all the Autobots look stupid inside their base and out in the desert. Don't harm her! And definitely don't shake hands! Look out! I think we've got her now. What's she doing? She's making me dizzy. How'd 
she do that? I wish I knew, Blue Streak. Now, Starscream has been feeling a little threatened by Nightbird. Not much help by Megatron locking him in a cage. So Starscream raised Nightbird. The Autobots get their world energy chip back. And Megatron orders all Decepticons to beat Starscream's ass. Terrific! <laughs> yes, you're definitely on my replacement list, Starscream. <laughs> She's everything I've always wanted. Replace me? was something I rigged up for the Autobots, but I'd like you to have it. Think of it as a, a farewell gift. Megatron, you fiend. I've got to get out there. I'll show that Megatron what his precious ninja is really like. <laughs> Fujiyama is grateful for the return of his giant ninja robot for science and locks her in a closet. Oh, Mr. Optimus Prime, I'm so glad you have returned Nightbird and not a scratch on her chassis. Well, I'm glad she's back in your possession, Doctor. Deprogrammed and neutralized. And safely locked up forever. So, a giant ninja robot for science. I, I want to start there. I love how someone in the audience is like, Dr. Fujiyama, isn't it a terrible idea to make a giant ninja robot? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, all, they should all stop I there. Think, all I can think of was, of course, the Japanese scientists. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it would be like... I guess it would be if it was a Chinese scientist, which didn't exist back in the 80s, of course. Um, I <laughs> guess he would have made, like, a rice farmer a, robot. I'm not no, sure, it would like... Be a bootleg giant ninja robot for science. Right. <laughs> He'd be a bootleg of a giant ninja <laughs> robot <laughs> that, that randomly had feet for arms. <laughs> and, and, like, a chrome copy of Optimus Prime's gun. Yeah. I, I, I don't really know where to begin, though, with this episode. <laughs> I mean, do you, we talk about the preposterous nature of, you know, like this big tin can that, you know, even Dr. Fujiyama says is supposedly primitive by Autobot standards. 
who, of course, is incredibly badass and effective. Are Although, we, I assume that part comes from the modifications that Decepticons made. I don't know. She looked pre- I mean, when she was just standing there, when she was unveiled, I'm like, holy crap, she's huge. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, she's, yeah. She was or, in Amazon for sure. Yeah. Yes. Or, or do we talk about, like, the blatant and, ob- the blatant and obvious, like, pent-up pent up sexual frustration on Starscream's part? <laughs> you know, I, I was watching it, and, you know, uh, there, there's just nowhere you can go with that when Megatron says she's hot enough to replace you whenever I choose. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this episode is... Uh, oh, God. It's infamous. <laughs> in it like, is infamous. Yeah, in like, in like uh, Transformers fandom. I mean, there's so many arguments over whether or not Megatron had like a relationship with this, you know, <clears throat> ninja robot. Whether, you know, Starscream... I, th- I think the I think the the alternate um, I think the alternate uh, interpretation is you know Starscream you know does have some sort of affection for Megatron and he feel he's threatened by Nightbird not because of um, you know that she's going to take his place as like you know first in you know first in line but that she's going she's like the the new girl that's come to town. And there are people who will, you know, who live and die still to this day, that say that you know Megatron had some sort of thing for Nightbird, which is not other than a couple of things, which really isn't implied anywhere oh. in this episode. But I think Starscream's affection for Megatron kind of almost is. I can you can sort of <laughs> I, I read that into it. And I don't know if it's intentional. <clears throat> I don't know if it was like we were being trolled as children by the writer of this episode. <clears throat> but there's something well, you there. Know, you know, it's like the thing where the person in the audience is like, isn't this an awful idea? Yes. You know, there, there is a level of self-awareness in this episode. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like, too, the Autobots are making their new uh, their uh, security detection place to put in the base which detect metal, but only when it's, like, two inches away from the surface of it. And on the one hand, that makes sense, since the entire base is made of metal. Yeah. But on the other hand, it makes them basically useless. I started taking notes for this episode when I was watching it to re- to uh, for uh, this review, and I just couldn't do it, because it's like, I had to use higher-order brain functions to do that. And you can't really watch this and... Yeah. Pay any kind of real attention to it because you go mad. Although one thing that's legitimately interesting with this episode is that for it's one of the rare, if not only, times you see more than the one room inside Autobot headquarters. I mean, you see that there's like a whole structure built into the volcano since they've set up shop in there. Yeah, the the only I mean, I, of course, with the Dinobots, you saw the caves around the. The closet? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and you saw the closet they got stowed into, but that's about See, it's an interesting. It. It's an interesting thing. Transformers seems to have this, like, recurring motif of locking things in closets when you don't want to deal with them. Well, she's, like, locked in a tube. And, well, I, and, I, and I, I like the fact that, I like the fact that at the end of the episode they imply that, you know, she's still sentient and awake and she'll come back. Of course she never does. Right. So well, I mean, she never does in the cartoon. 
Uh, of course, she does in one of the BotCon comics but, many years yeah. ago. It's an army of night birds. <laughs> With Ninja Turtle weapons. Yes. Of course. It's... And colors. Okay. And, I love that. And then Daniel and Wheelie die. Uh, who was it that wrote that? Was it Tengu? I think so. I love him. <laughs> so great. I love that. He's probably watching this, too. I hope so. So great. Yeah, but yeah, um, that's that's where uh, uh, Daniel dies, isn't it? And Wheelie. Yeah, I want to say Danny, because I've honestly watched more Headmasters and, dub yeah. in the last ten years, and I've watched season three. But uh, yeah, it's where Daniel Daniel died. I was. Uh, I need to go read that again. That's just that's love. <laughs> Such a bad episode, but it, it's it's bad in a good way. I I love you know it's one of the many appearances of the Decepticon base in the desert that is just a giant Decepticon insignia carved out of rock and painted purple. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can't get story writing like that anymore. No. 